Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Sell order assessment fee not included. A limited number of ETFs are subject to a transaction-based service fee of $100. See full list at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber has the morning off. Futures are uh, moderately weak here as uh, the market continues to weigh the fallout from the Archegos margin call. Yields in focus as well with the 10-year 175. Our roadmap is going to begin with that margin call latest. Shares of Discovery and Viacom reversing their week-long spiral. Uh, that 10-year yield does hit some 14-month highs this morning. Expectations for rising inflation and PayPal backing crypto. Speaking of which, uh, now allowing customers to use cryptocurrencies to pay online. Uh, Jim, though, uh, we'll start with um, Archegos breaking its silence. Uh, we definitely have a few more answers, but a lot more questions, too. Look, I, I think that there are winners and losers here. Actually, there's a winner here. You know, J.P. Morgan said no to these guys. They didn't want to touch them. Uh, there are two uh, components to this. One is they obviously had better risk controls than everybody else. But two, they had judgment. And I think everyone uh, who is trying to figure out whether Wall Street has lost its mind has to remember that there are some people on Wall Street who will not chase commissions, who are not going to hurt the franchise. And those some people work at J.P. Morgan. So my uh, my hat goes off to them. I think that they really demonstrated that you don't have to be. Uh, as greedy as the firms that are in that chart, because I think that they they had the same information everybody else had and they chose not to play. Right. Although the point was made earlier this morning, Jim, uh, very well by Houston, who works for us covering banks. And that was some of the smaller guys like CS and Nomura uh, have to be a little bit more aggressive on risk. And, and as he said, uh, lead uh, on price. Uh, the, the number one, two and three players can afford to be a little more picky. Well, I think that we're sitting here talking about those two firms as being firms that we don't necessarily trust as much as we did. And I think that in the end, uh, people want to be with firms that you trust. And if these guys can't make any money, make enough money in this market, they got a lot of other markets they should be in. And they should just decide, you know what, maybe America's too competitive because uh, they're doing terribly. And I, I think, I mean, if I were uh, trying to figure out who to bank with today, I'm going to say, you know what? I think we're back with J.P. Morgan. They, they, they are really a cut above. A- and that's how you that's how you get business. So uh, I just think that I, these other firms may have to chase business. But we've seen firms chase business and do poorly. And uh, I think that this is a huge black eye for those companies. Huge. Maybe yeah. two black eyes. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, Jim, uh, Bloomberg caught up with Julian Robertson, uh, who was asked about Bill Wong, said, I'm, I'm just very sad about it. I'm a great fan of Bill, and it could probably happen to anyone. I'm sorry it happened to Bill. Uh, he was asked, will Wong's career survive? He says, I hope, certainly hope he bounces back, which I don't know if you'd call that uh, tone deaf or, or, or not, uh, Jim, but certainly remarkable comments given what we think we already know about Wong's investing practices. Yeah, I mean, I have tremendous respect for Julian Robertson. You have to. 
he he's terrific. And I know it's great that he shows a level of loyalty there. But uh, and maybe we have to wait and see whether there are actually some some charges brought. But I do think that the level of leverage was it, let's let's be really uh, kind and say irresponsible. And I don't want my money with uh, irresponsible people, even though Julian Robertson is willing to uh, lend his support. Uh, I think it's great that he feels so, uh, again, that he feels kinship. But uh, the judgment here is, is I think, that you want to stay away at all costs. Right. Meanwhile, uh, some of the names that got dumped uh, through Archegos have had a pretty good morning. We mentioned Discovery and Viacom at the top at Baidu, Farfetch, uh, GSX, Tencent. At what point do you think these names start to reflect what's actually going on at the company? Well, I mean, I think that the, the Chinese market is not that good. and Those guys can bounce all they want, uh, but I don't want to be there. Look, I think there were some pieces about Viacom. Viacom has gotten to a level that is now interesting, and that was a piece I, that caught my attention as a, a Credit Suisse. Ooh, Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse piece, Viacom back to yes. basics. Uh, post bubble. I like that piece. I mean, it shows you, you know, they've waited and waited. And now they have a chance. And I wish they were better at risk controls because, boy, they're really good at research. And, and uh, this was a very smart well, piece. That's interesting because now people, Jim, are going back and looking at CS and how they played Viacom from the research element. They upped it on January 27 uh, at 57. And now they're back to neutral. I mean, I, I do wonder, Jim, you know, are we going to start asking questions about Chinese walls and just exactly how high they are Ooh. at some of these firms? Wow. Um, that'd be bad. Jeez, I don't know. I mean, yeah. uh, I'm kind of speechless that if they did that because those are uh, elemental things. We know that you can't go there and do that. I think that most people, Carl, right now are thinking not to trust Wall Street. And I led with J.P. Morgan because I don't want to be the guy who piles on. I think a lot of people are so suspicious. And they also, by the way, they see interest rates go up. They don't understand, well, that's probably going to be bad for NASDAQ. And they think that there's just so many people who think that things are rigged right now. Uh, it's really interesting, though, Carl. I mean, Dow Jones hits a high and people think it's rigged. But there are a lot of people who are clustered in these uh, NASDAQ names that were so terrific. And then a lot of other people who feel that those firms that are up on that board that were showing, uh, they knew. And they didn't know, except for J.P. Morgan knew not to deal with this guy. I'd love to hear more from J.P. Morgan about how they knew that. But I think the whole point of it is that J.P. Morgan doesn't squawk. Uh, I, I'm proud of, of, of their work. I mean, they are they showed great judgment. And Nomura and, and Deutsche Bank, they got to reassess themselves. They got to reassess what they're doing, because particularly Deutsche Bank, as Deutsche Bank just seems to kind of stub its toe. And again, I'm being very polite uh, before uh, uh, other companies. And this has been going on for a long time. Deutsche Bank is just, jeez, for uh, and, a long time. Yep. I know. Even as they, they tried to get out of that business and, and, and shuffle some of it off to BNP Paribas, uh, still not enough to avoid some of these, these challenges. By the way, Jim, we mentioned the statement out of Archegos. They did say uh, last night, this is a challenging time for the family office of Archegos Capital Management, our partners and employees. Uh, all plans are being discussed as Mr. Wong and the team determine the best path forward. Um, and now uh, these ancillary reports, Jim, about not just the phone call that happened on Thursday uh, via multiple reports, but now the idea that they're being summoned uh, to some degree by regulators. How should viewers think about what the next chapter of news is going to be? Well, I think that we're going to see uh, everybody's going to have to kind of tally what their uh, what the hit to earnings, 
uh, I do think that Goldman showed exactly what you have to do, which is that you just you own it, you sell it, you get rid of it, you take the hit. And then it's immaterial. Um, there is a level of unreality here. I mean, this firm destroyed a huge amount of value, and they used the word challenging. I mean, you know, <laughs> challenging. I mean, you know, the Krakatoa was challenging. I mean, you've got to, you know, the, the main was challenging. I mean, what, challenging? Challenge was really challenging. The Hindenburg yeah. was super challenging. I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, what the, how long did they sit there and think of that word, challenging? I mean, right. Wow. They, they went through the Roger's the thesaurus. And let's go with yeah. that one. Kansas City um, the Chiefs. It was challenging. Challenging. Right. Right. Um, we'll keep our eye on it, Jim. Obviously, it's it's one of the uh, main stories of the day, although now in its second or third day. Right. The other one now is going to be the one that we're more familiar with, and that is uh, expectations for inflation. We talked about the 10-year at the top, uh, more discussion about what we might get out of infrastructure. And B of A, Jim, with this note this morning on CapEx, uh, Savita Subramanian argues that finally it's going to be CapEx, not buybacks, that's going to get uh, the love from corporate balance sheets as they argue basically things are old, which is kind of a nice dovetail with what we think the White House is going to try to argue. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, just to switch the, the, the actual what's old, what's not, there's an upgrade of American Airlines. And American Airlines, what is it? Jeffries is talking about how their younger fleet, they have 10.8 years versus 15 years. I mean, if I were Boeing, I would say, holy cow. You know what? Things could be really unbelievable here uh, because, and obviously they're speaking of Nucor when they talk about old. Nucor is a huge winner. The, uh, the steel prices have gone up, up, up. Uh, there is just inflation. I've got Carvana on today. The inflation in used cars because the chip shortage is amazing. So there is inflation kind of everywhere. I, the, we still don't have Texas back online yet. I mean, I think it's rather amazing that Texas is just the Texas and Louisiana. Uh, their big petrochemical plants are just really hurting. And a lot of that was you remember, if you're ever a storm coming, you, you maybe attack on something, your windows, you know what to do. These guys were hit by by Yuri and they didn't expect it. So I think what you're seeing is uh, you can't get them back online very fast. New course, all systems go. I had them on last week and they, they don't even need they do not need infrastructure to make their quarters. They are just swimming in orders. So there's a lot lot that's good wow. out there but for the producers. But then you also have freight, Carl. Oh, my. Every time you hear anything involving uh, retail, it's freight is bad. Freight is bad. Freight is bad. So I think that what you have to do if you're uh, if you're Jay Powell is to say, well, this is that spike I talked about. And once the spike is over, things will go back to normal. But there's a lot of spikes. Sorry. It's, it's like very porcupine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dallas Fed survey yesterday, Jim, some remarkable stats uh, from uh, firms respond respondents in the survey. Sixty one percent of firms said they lost power. Thirty seven percent said they lost water. Fifty two uh, were forced to shut down. Fifty two percent forced to shut down for an average of almost five days. Now you got Musk uh, tweeting about uh, lack of cell supplies uh, that will make ramping semis difficult. And you got Foxconn today, Jim, talking about potential material shortages. And that has some impact on Apple pre-market today. Right. And that's why, I mean, I saw when Foxconn made a statement, Apple's just been dripping down. Tony Saganegi, uh, uh, no real, uh, a, a, I don't want to call him a big champion at Apple. He's certainly not. But he comes out and says six to nine months. Ooh, there's an ugly chart. Six to nine months before anything happens. No catalyst. You know, let me tell you how bad Texas is. Constellation. This is Modelo and Corona. 
uh, we get there are people talking about how they're going to miss the quarter or that business is light because of Texas. I, I, Texas has not been talked about enough, and their constellation brands up. I think that's that's charitable. Uh, I, I do believe that Texas is an untold story. We got to get down there and figure out Texas, Louisiana, how much damage there really was. And it's like a quiet storm. Uh, all the chemical companies doing much better than expected because of the shortage. Lots of shortages. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing. You know, we, you know, uh, scarcity was a story for the consumer, Jim, yes. uh, last summer when we were trying to find uh, disinfectant wipes and, and toilet paper. But it has sort of moved uh, to the wholesale side, right, where, yes, where production now is really being limited. Uh, and, and even now we're, we're getting reports about uh, wood pulp uh, potentially impacting supplies of toilet paper again. Well, look, uh, so and yeah. not, this is not even counting what's happened in the Suez. No, I mean, Kimberly Clark had a nice move yesterday. We, you, we do need to have a uh, President Biden has to call uh, Canada Trudeau and renegotiate and get some sort of deal because the Canadian companies, they have a they own a plethora of mills. In our country, and they own obviously huge amount of wood in Canada, and there's tariffs left over from the previous administration. We need a deal because there is uh, the inflation with lumber is just incredible. I mean, the prices are. I mean, these are all. Jay Powell has to steal himself because I'm looking for other than cocoa. There's been not that much food inflation of late, which is pretty good. Uh, Darden didn't talk about a lot Mm -hmm. of food inflation, but you know that that you have to hunt. For areas that don't have inflation is not saying anything positive. Home prices, just incredible. And and by the way, there's a shortage of homes to the point where people are knocking on your door. And the the exodus from the city continues. And a lot of that, I think, is because there are so many people who are still able to work from wherever they want. It is amazing, Carl. CNN has it. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, to to your point, uh, CNN has a piece up this morning about a woman in suburban D.C., uh, who listed a fixer-upper uh, on Thursday for about 275 k Listed it on Thursday. By Sunday, she had 88 offers. 88. Uh, 76 of those offers were, were all cash. All cash? How much money is there out there? I mean, I mean that's, a, uh, that's, that's a very good question. Well, or, or she completely mispraised the <laughs> No, I mean, who would know? I mean, <laughs> right, that's exactly. one of the problems. I mean, you know, my wife is constantly looking at property. She says, look, they're giving it away. I said, we know you need money to buy, even though they're giving it away. But look at that. I mean, how many people have money? This is continually why I say Home Depot and Lowe's. They are the retailers that if you're staying, you know, work at home, stay at home, go out, do this, do that. Those are winners because of the amount of construction and the, the amount of just of renovation. I mean, geez, that's an amazing story. When you hear cash offers, you can imagine how flush the American consumer is, Carl. But we have, do not have enough houses. Uh, and that is, I mean, that's why Lenar went up to 100. We put, pictured Lenar. Those, houses, those stocks were down yesterday, uh, Home Depot. Will you look at that? I mean, that is not the chart. Uh, I have Macy's on tonight. If you put a Macy's chart versus Home Depot, you're going to see very, very different. And, and I think Lowe's is yeah, even better yeah. than Home Depot. I really do. I think Lowe's is going to have a really well, good of- season. Oh, look at that. Jeff Kinnett. Oh, very nice. That's, that's going to be good, Jim, because uh, Ross stores out this morning saying that the effect of the pandemic on consumer behavior, they say, remains uncertain. And they go on to say uh, that demand will be generally depressed for an extended period of time. Which, really? I don't, maybe it's a, a, a department store retail dynamic, but certainly doesn't fit with what we think we know about the consumer balance sheets. No, not at all. 
wow, maybe Ross doesn't, maybe the consumer balance sheet's so good they're not going to Ross. I mean, because TJ's yeah. doing okay. And, uh, well, whoa, that's interesting. Yeah, we'll look more closely at that, obviously, when we get closer to the opening bell. Ton of calls to get to this morning. We got some moves on the street out of Yelp, uh, on Estee Lauder, on Roku, Google, Procter & Gamble, Domino's, and Papa John's. Take a look at uh, futures here. Moderate weakness to start this Tuesday. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Spotify is accelerating its entry into the live audio space. The company announcing it has acquired Betty Labs, the creator of the Locker Room app, where fans can discuss sports and join live conversations. Although, Jim, in the release, they go beyond sports and say that athletes, writers, musicians, uh, songwriters and others can host real-time chats, Ask Me Anything sessions, debates. Um, an interesting new chapter for Spotify, which, of course, has been doubling down on uh, on podcasts, at least. Yep. People are loving these things, Carl. I'm on a Twitter one tonight, and a lot of that was because uh, I was trying to get Ned Siegel yesterday for our show to, try to confirm how well Twitter's doing because of that upgrade. And it's like, hey, how about being on tonight? I said, okay. I mean, this is one of the most pop. I can't believe how popular this is. I cannot believe that places for Twitter, uh, Clubhouse, and now this – I, I, people have a lot of time in their hands, Carl. I mean, Jesus, sit in, listen, and ask questions. And uh, I, to me, I don't know. I mean, I'm reading a book and talking to my wife. But, yeah, this is just incredible. And when, at a time when there's not much else cooking. And, I, and by the way, I, I'm not getting a good read about March Madness in terms of how that's going. But this, it's a whim. And uh, I, I find, I mean, the Jonas Brothers were on, uh, what, uh, well, they were on for, uh, for Twitter, and everyone, just like, thousands of people. I mean, I, I think that this is a new part of culture. I, I am shocked. I and mean, we had Ken yeah. Burns on this morning. And I have to admit, I thought to myself, well, if he were going to be in this, uh, in this locker room, I'd probably listen. I mean, it depends on the right person, but, you know, I like to ask a question. It's, it, it, it's extraordinary The zeitgeist has switched to this, Carl. I mean, people just love this. Well, and for creators of any kind of content, Jim, it's it's an amazing way to get direct to their uh, to their consumer without going through filters like the media. I, I don't know if you noticed, Cameo uh, is going to have a billion dollar valuation based on uh, the latest round, uh, and I think we're going to talk to them later on this morning. But that that idea that you are able to directly communicate with someone whom you may have long revered is, is a powerful thing for the consumer. And it's, by the way, maybe authors come back. I mean, you used to, they, you, authors used to be going the Today Show or the, you know, the late Don Imus. There's no venue for an author 
None. Maybe this is the venue. So we're going to have to pick and choose. But it does seem to be uh, interactivity is something that's been lost. TV is very flat. Uh, Maybe you get involved. I mean, I'm going to see who's on tonight. I get to pick who wants to ask questions. And I've got to say, it's exciting if you're the person. And obviously, if you want to be promote something, it's ideal. But uh, wow, I cannot believe how hot this area is. I don't know. Carl, does have staying power? Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's, you know, it's curious. I, I keep coming back to Spotify, which um, I know City a, a few quarters back was skeptical that this podcast uh, narrative was going to play out. Um, but we'll see because Spotify does appear to be uh, diligent in making sure they've covered all their bases. We'll, we'll see how it trades uh, in the coming days and weeks. Quick break here, guys. Uh, about eight minutes to the opening bell. Don't go anywhere. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. As we said a moment ago, 10-year yield this morning gets to 177, actually, the high of the morning. That's a 14-month high. You got the reopening. You've got the infrastructure plan we expect tomorrow. Obviously, fiscal stimulus and a, a lot of data still to come this week, including non-farm payrolls on Friday and ISM, all uh, highlighting the expected recovery traction that the, at least the United States is getting. Opening bell in five minutes. Don't go away. Let's get a mad dash with Jim this morning. I think watching McCormick. Yes, one to watch. They just reported it was excellent numbers. They guided up. They do have some terrific organic growth. Obviously, the concern here is what will happen in the opening. Well, if we do reopen, then they're able to do a lot of uh, service. Uh, most people's cafeteria where you work, they uh, have McCormick. Now, this stock opened up big last time and then went down, Carl, as people decided this was the wrong group to own. So this would be the litmus test stock for what we saw yesterday when Clorox and Procter and Gamble and Kimberly Clark had a, a very big move after the CDC talked about uh, impending doom, which I think took a lot of people's breath away. So the, these are mm-hmm. impending doom stocks. And uh, let's see if this can hold. Uh, if it can hold, then you're going to see a lot of other stocks back in that cohort run again. Uh, and I would look at Procter and I would look at Kimberly. Yeah, uh, that comment, as you mentioned, uh, Jim, from the CDC yesterday by Director Walensky, uh, sort of ties in with the president who said to the, some of the states who've uh, rescinded mask mandates, you got to put him back in. Uh, cases are up 12 percent in the past week. Uh, and so this worry about a fourth surge uh, is out there, Jim, although there's others who argue, you know, you've got so many of the elderly in this country already vaccinated that if the if the litmus test is about hospitalizations and not clogging the healthcare system, uh, it's hard to see how we get back to that. Certainly, we hope we don't. Right. And look, I think the death count is much lower. Uh, I do think one of the things we have to balance is when we're being we're we're vaccinating three million people a day. And uh, who gets vaccinated is obviously uh, changing and going lower and lower. I believe that we do have, like Dr. Faust said today in an op-ed piece, we do need to worry about younger people. Uh, Moderna doing something, obviously doing a test on, on, on that a trial. But I don't know, Carl. I, I felt that the impending doom was something that I wish was said a year ago. 
And now I kind of feel like if they're trying to scare people to take the vaccine, uh, I get it. But I don't know if I would want to scare them the way it was done yesterday. It's highly emotional. Right. Not right. clinical. I think that's I think that's a good point, Jim. There's the opening bell and the S&P at the bottom of your screen. I know this morning, Jim, as of today uh, in New York City, you can get it if you're 30 years old or older. And as of next Tuesday, you'll be able to get it if you're 16 years old. Uh, or older. I know I get my first dose on Friday, so it does feel like it's starting to move. Yeah, look, I think there is going to be uh, the glut that Dr. Topol talked about on Mad Money. Such a great follow, by the way, Eric Topol, and know him from Cleveland Clinic and then from Scripps. It just look, it's they're making a lot of vaccines, and we're now getting them at Walgreens and Walmart and CVS. And it's for real. I mean, you're going to get it not just in the mass places, but at the same time, Carl, I think the market is flummoxed. The market doesn't know what to do. I mean, is it are are we in a situation where uh, the fourth wave comes uh, and we're unprepared for? Are we in a situation where the economy is opening? What do we buy? Are we in a situation which really matters to the interest rates and the fact that there's a shortage? There's a lot of things that are negative. At the same time, the Dow keeps charging higher. Uh, and if you get too negative, then you start thinking, well, wait a second. Are we going to be left behind? We don't be left behind if if the economy returns to normal and we got all the stimulus and then the infrastructure. It's just it's the different stocks. I mean, I just thought that this American Airlines, the Southwest Air Orders, how can you not want to own Boeing? Europe is starting to do much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to get too negative, Carl, even though I think that I was uh, like many people gripped by the head of CDC uh, Walensky, Dr. Walensky j- just making me feel like we're back in that the stand situation. And, and you just really felt badly. It's like, wow. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if anyone missed it yesterday, uh, just take a quick listen to what the director of the CDC said about this potential uh, fourth surge. Take a listen. I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to. So much promise and potential of where we are and so much reason for hope. But right now I'm scared. Um, I know what it's like as a physician to stand in that patient room, gowned, gloved, masked, shielded, and to be the last person to touch someone else's loved one because their loved one couldn't be there. I know what it's like when you're the physician, when you're the healthcare provider, and you're worried that you don't have the resources to take care of the patients in front of you. All right. So, Jim, your point about the, the market being flummoxed uh, sort of makes sense because yeah. it's trying to balance what we just heard with uh, upgrades, uh, the likes of which we got from City today on Yelp. Uh, right. The idea that restaurants are poised to grow. There's a nice upgrade out of Stiefel on Google. They go to 2350, talking about the renewed flow of advertising dollars in travel and entertainment and media. That's where I am. Uh, look, I think that my doctor, uh, my actual internist, Dr. LaPook, who works for another network for CBS, his theme is you don't want to be the last person to die of COVID uh, when we actually have uh, medicines that should make it so you shouldn't die. And I, I, it, it's hard to figure out. I don't want to criticize someone who's the head of CDC, very distinguished doctor, but it, maybe the tone should have been, do you really want to be the last person to die of a disease that we now have something for? Right. Uh, more shaming than frightening. And, and I think that it is, we do need to shame everyone to get it, but why, I think to scare everyone to get it, I think is going to maybe not do the job. Right. 
Um, what do you make of some of these? Uh, I know uh, we mentioned the Yelp upgrade as the city goes to buy Estee Lauder, Jim. Uh, Morgan Stanley says look for some top-line growth surprises. I mean, a stock like EL can sort of be read uh, as something that I know you've long said is a dynamic on, on selfies and, and trying to look good as we're working remote, but could also be read as something that you've got to look nice if you're going to go out. Well, look, uh, Fabrizio Fred is probably the foremost ca- uh, consumer products CEO in the world, not just America. And what he has done, he goes to China constantly. He's captured the Chinese market. Remember, he's also duty-free. He's amazing at duty-free. He follows, by the way, where do, where people go by duty-free numbers and floods the zone. I mean, uh, if they're all going to Brazil, he, he uh, invents products for Brazil, and he's got a great team everywhere. Don't forget, he's also got this kind of frontsy backsy thing where you have to work, uh, if you're an older person, you have to work for your younger person, uh, which I think is a brilliant idea because you're selling product that goes for younger people. They were obviously doing a lot of uh, things involving your skin and mask and keeping your skin clean. But they own China and you don't hear about them as as being important in China. That's a big mistake. Uh, They are only two to three percent levered to department stores. A lot of people were short the stock betting that they're a mall play. They are so not a mall play. Uh, they are a play on the strength of China and then maybe ultimately the strength of the United States. Remember, they do skincare and cosmetics. And skincare caught on fire because of masks. If the president is obeyed and we still wear masks, I mean, masks just, you know, they do masny. You know, I have masny. I had a pimple yep. here for the first time. I think I was 13 the last time I had a pimple here. Uh, thank you to the and I switch masks. This one has few, creates fewer pimples. I guess I should be using Estee Lauder stuff. Estee Lauder, by the way, is like Joe Malone. I mean, the prices that you pay. I, I'm an elf guy. Elf is more reasonable. But if you buy their stuff, I mean, you're their stuff's expensive. It's pricey and it's really good. So I, I continue to believe Estee Lauder is just a great stock. And people are not understanding that Fabrizio has a grip on the world, not just America. Uh, he understood that the mall was going to be a terrible place to sell many years ago and spent a lot more time trying to figure out Asia, uh, trying to figure out Africa and figure out Europe. And he look, he's obviously he's a man of the world. Most people would. Uh, he's an pro- old Procter and Gamble guy. But more importantly, he, he is a person that understands the psyche. He has a great team. The stock is still I mean, it sells at 48 times earnings, but it's going to have more. It's going to have uh, blockbuster earnings. Truly blockbuster. Yeah. Jim, we, that stock. You know, we haven't talked a whole lot this morning about about ARC. Um, first off, there's Kathy Wood removing some restrictions that sort of limit the amount of a single name that they can own. Uh, this new space exploration ETF is going to get interesting, although currently down about 6%. In, in light of what we have been talking about regarding margin calls, where, where, how are we thinking about ARC right now? Kind of like that movie. Well, remember, they are an ETF. They're insulated from everything. If you say anything bad about it, then, you know, you're criticized. But I've got to tell you, when I looked at the ARC space, there's a lot of them. There's some companies that are in there that are only tangentially involved with space. Like, for instance, John Deere. John Deere's in that uh, because they do some things with space. John Deere is much more of a kind of a farm play. But uh, these are the stocks that are really in ground zero of what people are fleeing. Uh, but I do have to give her credit. She thinks long term. Uh, and so if you judge her short term, you're going to miss moves. Uh, but short term, she's uh, this most recent creation is, is perceived to be uh, unneeded. How about that? Unneeded. We do have Virgin Galactic on later. Right. That could be good. 
We are going to talk to them. Yep. And there's some SpaceX news today. I mean, it's um, it's definitely uh, talk about judging them in short term on, on one mission or not, Jim. It's much the, the people who are running those uh, enterprises are thinking much longer term than any particular uh, trade or mission. True. I mean, I had KBR on last week and they are deeply involved in space and they're just talking about having a 10 to 15 year perspective. And I think that's what you have to have if you're going to buy that ETF. Take a 10 to 15 year perspective and stop worrying about tomorrow, because when I look at what at what Kathy Wood buys, I mean, these are companies that could be unbelievably big. Uh, they have a lot of things that have to go right, but she's a visionary. And the ones that she picks are uh, they look out there, but she's done more work than most. Uh, but I did feel that this one was poorly timed. We don't need this right now. We don't. Well, it's too high. John Deere, Carl, I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, when I look at what's going on in, in the market, again, I come back to there are stocks that are just unbelievably good, and they tend to be stocks that react well when interest rates are going up. And then there's these stocks that are just so bad, and the younger people tend to be in the stocks that are so bad. I continue to see... That uh, when you look at what's at what's going higher, you've got a lot of the entertainment stocks up because I think that's just the fallout that maybe we're behind. Uh, we're done with the with, with the Archegos failure. Uh, I shouldn't say failure because they're still around and some people want to give them money. But the one that I'm most fascinated by, Carl, is GameStop. I mean, once again, GameStop adds an Amazon executive to the team. Elliot Wilkie, don't know the person, chief growth officer. But the people they are adding, if they're going to, if you want a dream team, this team is a dream team. And I think it's rather amazing, Carl. They have, they've been getting people, uh, I, I got to hand it to them. I mean, look, a lot of people who are uh, older, or the, the gray beard, the hedge fund, the guys in suits. I got a nice suit on. I got it in Milan. It's a super 180. It doesn't really matter because yes. I am impressed, Carl, with the GameStop team. I really am. They're good. Uh, uh, yeah, Elliot Wilkie's an Amazon uh, veteran, Jim. And I'm, I'm not sure if you had told someone, say, a year ago that GameStop was going to be recruiting from Amazon, that that would have been um, a, a, a sort of an obvious narrative of any kind. No, and obviously Ryan Cohen has a story he's telling where he is getting some of the greatest people. And they're not deterred. They're not thinking. Obviously, these are people who are not saying it's a short squeeze. These are people who are saying, we know that this $14 billion market cap company is something that we, it is a, maybe it's clay and it's going to be turned into a sculpture. But I am, I am blown away by who they're getting. And it's most of the companies in the mall would not get these kind of people. They have a plan. I, you know, obviously, I don't know what the plan is, but they've got one. And it's attracting top flight people, Carl. Really impressive. Very right. impressive. Well, I mean, I'll be, I'll be curious to hear what Macy's tells you tonight, but I doubt you believe that this is this trade is happening because of the belief of what might happen actually in the mall. Well, right? look, this I, is this is going to be an online play. But I will say this. Um, L Brands. All right. If you told me uh, six months ago that L Brands was going to have a, a resurgence, the stock was at, you know, the stock was at 14 and, and now it's at 60. Uh, so, I mean, when I looked at Kohl's, the resurgence they had, I'm now starting to think that maybe they're putting together something that we never dreamed of, uh, that 
is going to be um, special because you can't attract those people to a dying entity. They can go anywhere they want, Carl. Anywhere. I mean, they, the world's their oyster and they're picking GameStop. So maybe there is something going on. It's, isn't it funny that today is the non-essential retailer day? And then the, re- the essential retailers are getting killed. This stuff changes every single day. I urge people not to be whipsawed. When Tony Saganetti talked about Apple today, I was, it was painful. Because I know people are going to sell Apple after listening to him. I and mean, he's saying there's no catalyst. And all I say with Apple is, okay, so maybe the quarter's not so hot. Maybe the service revenues are going to be good. Can you get it out of Apple right here and then back in at 111, say? I don't know who's that good. Mm-hmm. I just don't know who's that good. So I am urging less trading, more longer-term thinking, uh, because we do have some shortages everywhere, but the shortages will eventually be cured. That's what happens when you have shortages. You get production. It just doesn't happen in, in quick enough for most people. Right. Well, that's consistent uh, on, on two levels, Jim. You've always said don't trade Apple, right. own it, and you've often right. been skeptical of Tony's research. <laughs> True. Skeptical. Tremendous respect for him because he does a lot of work. But I just think that in the end, Apple's been very hard to trade and very easy to own. And I'm sure there are people who listen to him and just say, you know what, I'll sell it now. I'll come back to it. And that's been a sucker trade. I, I guess some hedge funds. Uh, can do it. I just find that that's, to me, a non-starter. Why not just own it? Take some pain, for heaven's sake. Take some pain. Longer-term people, take some pain. Get used to pain. Go get some Xanax if you can't be in this game. But I do feel that uh, <laughs> Apple's going lower, uh, but I am not nimble enough to, uh, with my charitable trust to say, oh, I want to get out, I want to get in, I want to get out. No, it, it, it's a good, you know, forget, it's been a pretty good stock to own. Uh, uh, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, with that, let's uh, let's get to Rick Santelli this morning. Check in on what's happening with yields, which, of course, are clearly in focus. Hey, Rick. Absolutely. Clearly in focus and clearly in one direction. Look at a two day of tens. Once again, zoom, zoom, zoom. Guns hot on Treasury yields. Look at a two week chart. We had our dip. As a matter of fact, what I've been trying to uh, put forth over the last couple of months is it isn't necessarily trying to pick a top, which is dangerous, and I don't recommend it. Let the market show you where the top of yields, bottom of prices. But the real issue that it shows us every couple of days is that the pullbacks are very, very small, very shallow. And then we surge and we take out some intraday levels. This is really the mark of a market that you do not want to go in the opposite direction of the current trend and the trend is lower in price higher in yield open the chart up and you can see that if you go all the way back to january of 20 uh we've taken out everything but if you look at a 30-year bond a little bit of different scenario but makes it a bit easier to trade 245 is the current high close yield for 30-year bonds if we start to trade through that even intraday before settlement look for some very active follow-through any investor that's on the wrong side of this trade is very nervous at this point because pullbacks are so small. You don't get any reward, and when you try to reverse the position, you have to pay up to get out. With respect to boons, they're up a half a dozen basis points. So you may say, well, half a dozen, six basis points isn't all that much. It certainly is when you start at minus 32 and you move to minus 26. 
as you see on that one-week chart of Boone's, they really are moving. And really, that's the story here. You can have any thoughts you want about where we are in the COVID scenario, but globally, the U.S. is head and shoulders above, and it's really starting to show in the marketplace, you know, between antivirals, therapeutics, vaccines. The market's getting pretty excited about this reopening trade, and it's trying to calibrate it with some of the negatives on the global side of the same trade. And it isn't easy, but one place you're seeing it show up is in the euro currency. Everybody's saying, wow, look at that dollar. Best level since November. And I've been dollar friendly for the last three months. But really, this latest move isn't necessarily dollar strength. It's euro weakness. Look at this chart starting October last year. You can clearly see what I mean. Jim and Carl, back to you. All right, Rick, thanks. Talk to you in a bit. Rick Santelli. So some mild uh, selling to start off this Tuesday. Dow's hanging on to 33K by about 100 points. We're down about 63. Uh, thanks to Goldman and JPM, which are leading the blue chips. We're back in a minute. An eye-opening report on Robinhood traders and their effect on the market during the pandemic. Research from the Swiss Finance Institute shows that individual investors had an impact five times the size of their estimated assets in Q2 of last year. The report says Robinhood demand substantially alleviated the negative returns that were observed in Q1, with the return effects even more pronounced during the recovery in Q2. Uh, I mean, that five times, Jim, that is that's remarkable. Well, look, they were uh, running in when people running out. Uh, I know that there were a lot of people at, uh, at major firms who were surprised to see how aggressive they were. And obviously, when everyone else is kind of frozen, which is what was going on, uh, Robinhood, both with options of a common stock, a lot of those people just got great bases, did a lot that was terrific. I think now they're kind of flummoxed. I, uh, one of the things feelings I have is, is that the professionals have take back, taken back the market. And uh, they are very, very uh, reluctant to own the same stocks that the Robinhood people own. A lot of the people uh, who bought Robinhood bought these uh, kind of aggressive growth stocks that are the ones that are really getting crushed. And they get, seem to get crushed every right. time interest rates go up, Carl. These portfolios are just getting rocked. Just rocked. But they Although were big. that sort of, you know, Jim, for some it remains um, – a long-term bullish narrative, this idea that institutions have not run into uh, those epicenter names that you talk about because they're so wedded to uh, long-term growth in, in, in FANG, for example, but that once they make that turn, uh, that, that's going to be an explosive move as well. Well, look, I, I happen to think that the Robin of people, I don't want to say they're here to stay because some of them have already uh, reached the stage of acceptance in terms of their grief, uh, but there are plenty of, well, there's a lot of, a lot of capital and they get the stimulus checks, but they have to be a little more circumspect about the let's let's call them the Kathy Wood names. I mean, there's just a lot of you don't have some, a lot of these people do not have an appetite for loss. And, and when, when they're riding high, it was terrific. But now they really got to hunker down, Carl. A lot of them, a lot of them are in stocks. They're in the Twilio's and, and, and they're in the DoorDash's and they're in the Zoom's. And I'm not saying those are well, forever out of favor, but I am saying that right now you're really being gaffed. You do feel yeah. like a bluefish yeah. that's been caught. You're kind of flopping around in the boat there. <laughs> uh, Dow's down about 117. We're back after a break. 
Don't miss CNBC's Race and Opportunity in America special tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Amid the rise in anti-Asian violence in this country, we'll look at the economic and social challenges facing the Asian American community and talk to business leaders about potential solutions to help us move forward. Squawk on the Street, I'll be right back. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Well, look, Carl, PayPal is really moving big now into Bitcoin. They're able to make transactions. It looks like, by the way, the uh, Dan Schulman used uh, Bitcoin to uh, buy some new boots. I, I do think that one of the problems that you're going to run into with, with Bitcoin is, is there a taxable event when you buy something with it? Uh, and that's what I would be most worried about. But I understand that people really want to trade with Bitcoin and pay- PayPal and Square are the two that are still front and center, and everyone else is a little too circumspect. Uh, They put out a lot of press releases, but these guys mean it. And uh, just beware that you should call your accountant, because it could be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. You know, one one thing we didn't get to this hour, Jim, was the discussion about uh, a rise in corporate income tax, whether or not finance is going to impose new taxes to help pay for infrastructure, although there seems to be some resistance uh, among some of the moderate Dems. Yes. I mean, Senator Manchin is running the country. You keep reading that over and over again. Uh, but I think that there's a sense that <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're buying Nucor or Vulcan Materials or Martin Marietta. Don't worry. There's another cavalry besides Infra. And that's why I think that those are the three that you can buy and not be worried that, wow, there's no bill uh, because they're doing quite well. Right. Right. So tonight, Macy's Carvana. Yes. Invest Outdoor, which is a uh, hunting shooting, but also uh Camelback, which I like. So um, and I'm a hunter and fisher, so we'll talk to them. But I, I that stock sells at about seven times earnings. But I think that people it's an ES, it's not an ESG play. Put it that way. Right. Right. <laughs> Jim, we'll see you tonight. Okay. Always fun. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. with Jim Cramer. Jim, we'll see you later. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.